Chapter Five of The Egoist. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Geeson. The Egoist by George Meredith. Chapter Five. Clara Middleton. The great meeting of Sir Willoughby Patton and Miss Middleton had taken place at Cheriton Grange, the seat of a county grandee, where this young lady of eighteen was first seen rising above the horizon. She had money and health and beauty, the triune of perfect starriness, which makes all men astronomers. He looked on her, expecting her to look at him. But as soon as he looked, he found that he must be in motion to win a look in return. He was one of a pack. Many were ahead of him, the whole of them were eager. He had to debate within himself how best to communicate to her that he was Willoughby Patton before her gloves were too much soiled to flatter his niceness, for here and there, all around, she was yielding her hand to partners, obscurant males whose touch leaves a stain. Far too generally gracious was her starriness to please him. The effect of it, nevertheless, was to hurry him with all his might into the heat of the chase, while yet he knew no more of her than that he was competing for a prize, and Willoughby Patton was only one of dozens to the young lady. A deeper student of science than his rivals, he appreciated nature's compliment in the fair one's choice of you. We now scientifically know that in this department of the universal struggle success is awarded to the bettermost. You spread a handsomer tail than your fellows, you dress a finer top-knot, you pipe a newer note, have a longer stride, she reviews you in competition, and selects you. The superlative is magnetic to her, she may be looking elsewhere, and you will see, the superlative will simply have to beckon, away she glides. She cannot help herself, it is her nature, and her nature is the guarantee for the noblest races of men to come of her. In complimenting you, she is a promise of superior offspring. Science thus, or it is better to say an acquaintance with science, facilitates the cultivation of aristocracy. Consequently, a successful pursuit and a wresting of her from a body of competitors tells you that you are the best man. What is more, it tells the world so. Willoughby aired his amiable superlatives in the eye of Miss Middleton. He had a leg. He was the heir of successful competitors. He had a style, a tone, an artist tailor, an authority of manner. He had in the hopeful ardour of the chase, among a multitude, a freshness that gave him advantage, 
and together with his undeviating energy when there was a prize to be won and possessed, these were scarce resistible. He spared no pains, for he was a dust and a thirst for the winning-post. He courted her father, aware that men likewise, and parents pre-eminently, have their preference for the larger offer, the deeper pocket, the broader lands, the respectfuller consideration. Men after their fashion, as well as women, distinguish the bettermost, and aid him to succeed, as Dr. Middleton certainly did in the crisis of the memorable question proposed to his daughter within a month of Willoughby's reception at Upton Park. The young lady was astonished at his whirlwind wooing of her, and bent to it like a sapling. She begged for time. Willoughby could barely wait. She unhesitatingly owned that she liked no one better, and he consented. A calm examination of his position told him that it was unfair so long as he stood engaged, and she did not. She pleaded a desire to see a little of the world before she plighted herself. She alarmed him. He assumed the amazing god of love under the subtlest guise of the divinity. Willingly would he obey her behests resignedly languish, were it not for his mother's desire to see the future lady of Patterne established there before she died. Love shone cunningly through the mask of filial duty, but the plea of urgency was reasonable. Dr. Middleton thought it reasonable, supposing his daughter to have an inclination. She had no disinclination though she had a maidenly desire to see a little of the world. Grace for one year, she said. Willoughby reduced the year to six months, and granted that term, for which, in gratitude, she submitted to stand engaged. And that was no light whispering of a word. She was implored to enter the state of captivity by the pronunciation of vows a private but a binding ceremonial. She had health and beauty, and money to gild these gifts, not that he stipulated for money with his bride, but it adds a lustre to dazzle the world, and moreover the pack of rival pursuers hung close behind, yelping and raising their dolorous throats to the moon. Captive she must be. He made her engagement no light whispering matter. It was a solemn plighting of a troth. Why not? Having said, I am yours, she could say, I am wholly yours, I am yours for ever, I swear it, I will never swerve from it, I am your wife in heart, yours utterly. Our engagement is written above. To this she considerately appended, as far as I am concerned, a piece of somewhat chilling generosity, 
and he forced her to pass him through love's catechism in turn and came out with fervent answers that bound him to her too indissolubly to let her doubt of her being loved and i am loved she exclaimed to her heart's echoes in simple faith and wonderment hardly had she begun to think of love ere the apparition rose in her path she had not thought of love with any warmth and here it was she had only dreamed of love as one of the distant blessings of the mighty world lying somewhere in the world's forests across wild seas veiled encompassed with beautiful perils a throbbing secrecy but too remote to quicken her bosom's throbs her chief idea of it was the enrichment of the world by love thus did miss middleton acquiesce in the principle of selection and then did the best man of a host blow his triumphant horn and loudly he looked the fittest he justified the dictum of science the survival of the patterns was assured i would he said to his admirer mrs mountstuart jenkinson have bargained for health above everything but she has everything besides lineage beauty breeding is what they call an heiress and is the most accomplished of her sex with a delicate art he conveyed to the lady's understanding that miss middleton had been snatched from a crowd without a breath of the crowd having offended his niceness he did it through sarcasm at your modern young women who run about the world nibbling and nibbled at until they know one sex as well as the other and are not a whit less cognizant of the market than men pure possibly it is not so easy to say innocent decidedly not our feminine ideal miss middleton was different she was the true ideal fresh gathered morning fruit in a basket warranted by her bloom women do not defend their younger sisters for doing what they perhaps have done lifting a veil to be seen and peeping at a world where innocence is as poor a guarantee as a babe's call against shipwreck women of the world never think of attacking the sensual stipulation for perfect bloom silver purity which is redolent of the oriental origin of the love passion of their lords mrs mountstuart congratulated sir willoughby on the prize he had won in the fair western eastern let me see her she said and miss middleton was introduced and critically observed she had the mouth that smiles in repose the lips met full on the centre of the bow and thinned along to a lifting dimple the eyelids also lifted slightly at the outer corners and seemed like the lip into the limpid cheek quickening up the temples as with a run of light or the ascension indicated off a shoot of colour 
her features were playfellows of one another none of them pretending to rigid correctness nor the nose to the ordinary dignity of governess among merry girls despite which the nose was of a fair design not acutely interrogative or inviting to gambols aspens imaged in water waiting for the breeze would offer a susceptible lover some suggestion of her face a pure smooth white face tenderly flushed in the cheeks where the gentle dints were faintly intermelting even during quietness her eyes were brown set well between mild lids often shadowed not unwakeful her hair of lighter brown swelling above her temples on the sweep to the knot imposed the triangle of the fabulous wild woodland visage from brow to mouth and chin evidently in agreement with her taste and the triangle suited her but her face was not significant of a tameless wildness or of weakness her equable shut mouth threw its long curve to guard the small round chin from that effect her eyes wavered only in humour they were steady when thoughtfulness was awakened and at such seasons the build of her winter beechwood hair lost the touch of nymph-like and whimsical and strangely by mere outline added to her appearance of studious concentration observe the hawk on stretched wings over the prey he spies for an idea of this change in the look of a young lady whom vernon whitford could liken to the mountain echo and mrs mountstuart jenkinson pronounced to be a dainty rogue in porcelain vernon's fancy of her must have sprung from her prompt and most musical responsiveness he preferred the society of her learned father to that of a girl under twenty engaged to his cousin but the charm of her ready tongue and her voice was to his intelligent understanding wit natural wit crystal wit as opposed to the paste sparkle of the wit of the town in his encomiums he did not quote miss middleton's wit nevertheless he ventured to speak of it to mrs mountstuart causing that lady to say ah well i have not noticed the wit you may have the art of drawing it out no one had noticed the wit the corrupted hearing of people required a collision of sounds vernon supposed for his part to prove their excellence he recollected a great many of miss middleton's remarks they came flying to him and so long as he forbore to speak them aloud they had a curious wealth of meaning it could not be all her manner however much his own manner might spoil them it might be to a certain degree her quickness at catching the hue and shade of evanescent conversation possibly by remembering the whole of a conversation wherein she had her place the wit was to be tested 
only how could anyone retain the heavy portion as there was no use in being argumentative on a subject affording him personally and apparently solitarily refreshment and enjoyment vernon resolved to keep it to himself the eulogies of her beauty a possession in which he did not consider her so very conspicuous irritated him in consequence to flatter sir willoughby it was the fashion to exalt her as one of the types of beauty the one providentially selected to set off his masculine type she was compared to those delicate flowers the ladies of the court of china on rice paper a little french dressing would make her at home on the sward by the fountain among the lutes and whispers of the bewitching silken shepherdesses who live though they never were lady bush was reminded of the favourite lineaments of the women of leonardo the angels of luini lady culmer had seen crayon sketches of demoiselle of the french aristocracy resembling her some one mentioned an antique statue of a figure breathing into a flute and the mouth at the flute stop might have a distant semblance of the bend of her mouth but this comparison was repelled as grotesque for once mrs mountstuart jenkinson was unsuccessful her dainty rogue in porcelain displeased sir willoughby why rogue he said the lady's fame for hitting the mark fretted him and the grace of his bride's fine bearing stood to support him in his objection clara was young healthy handsome she was therefore fitted to be his wife the mother of his children his companion picture certainly they looked well side by side in walking with her in drooping to her the whole man was made conscious of the female image of himself by her exquisite unlikeness she completed him added the softer lines wanting to his portrait before the world he had wooed her ragingly he courted her becomingly with the manly self-possession enlivened by watchful tact which is pleasing to girls he never seemed to undervalue himself in valuing her a secret priceless in the courtship of young women that have heads the lover doubles their sense of personal worth through not forfeiting his own those were proud and happy days when he rode black norman over to upton park and his lady looked forth for him and knew him coming by the faster beating of her heart her mind too was receptive she took impressions of his characteristics and supplied him a feast she remembered his chance phrases noted his ways his peculiarities as no one of her sex had done he thanked his cousin vernon for saying she had wit she had it and of so high a flavour that the more he thought of the epigram launched at her the more he grew displeased with the wit to understand him 
and the heart to worship she had a dignity rarely seen in young ladies why rogue he insisted with mrs mountstuart i said in porcelain she replied rogue perplexes me porcelain explains it she has the keenest sense of honour i am sure she is a paragon of rectitude she has a beautiful bearing the carriage of a young princess i find her perfect and still she may be a dainty rogue in porcelain are you judging by the mind or the person ma'am both and which is which there's no distinction rogue and mistress of pattern do not go together why not she will be a novelty to our neighbourhood and an animation of the hall to be frank rogue does not rightly match with me take her for a supplement you like her in love with her i can imagine lifelong amusement in her company attend to my advice prize the porcelain and play with the rogue sir willoughby nodded unilluminated there was nothing of rogue in himself so there could be nothing of it in his bride elfishness tricksiness freakishness were antipathetic to his nature and he argued that it was impossible he should have chosen for his compliment a person deserving the title it would not have been sanctioned by his guardian genius his closer acquaintance with miss middleton squared with his first impressions you know that this is convincing the common jury justifies the presentation of the case to them by the grand jury and his original conclusion that she was essentially feminine in other words a parasite and a chalice clara's conduct confirmed from day to day he began to instruct her in the knowledge of himself without reserve and she as she grew less timid with him became more reflective i judge by character he said to mrs mountstuart if you have caught the character of a girl said she i think i am not far off it so it was thought by the man who dived for the moon in a well how women despise their sex not a bit she has no character yet you are forming it and pray be advised and be merry the solid is your safest guide physiognomy and manners will give you more of a girl's character than all the divings you can do she is a charming young woman only she is one of that sort of what sort sir willoughby asked impatiently rogues in porcelain i am persuaded i shall never comprehend it i cannot help you one bit further the word rogue it was dainty rogue brittle would you say i am quite unable to say 
an innocent naughtiness prettily moulded in a delicate substance you are thinking of some piece of dresden you suppose her to resemble i dare say artificial you would not have her natural i am heartily satisfied with her from head to foot my dear mrs mountstuart nothing could be better and sometimes she will lead and generally you will lead and everything will go well my dear sir willoughby like all rapid phrasers mrs mountstuart detested the analysis of her sentence it had an outline in vagueness and was flung out to be apprehended not dissected her directions for the reading of miss middleton's character were the same that she practised in reading sir willoughby's whose physiognomy and manners bespoke him what she presumed him to be a splendidly proud gentleman with good reason mrs mountstuart's advice was wiser than her procedure for she stopped short where he declined to begin he dived below the surface without studying that index page he had won miss middleton's hand he believed he had captured her heart but he was not so certain of his possession of her soul and he went after it our enamoured gentleman had therefore no tally of nature's writing above to set beside his discoveries in the deeps now it is a dangerous accompaniment of this habit of driving that where we do not light on the discoveries we anticipate we fall to work sowing and planting which becomes a disturbance to the gentle bosom miss middleton's features were legible as to the mainspring of her character he could have seen that she had a spirit with a natural love of liberty and required the next thing to liberty spaciousness if she was to own allegiance those features unhappily instead of serving for an introduction to the within were treated as the mirror of himself they were indeed of an amiable sweetness to tempt an accepted lover to angle for the first person in the second but he had made the discovery that their minds differed on one or two points and a difference of view in his bride was obnoxious to his repose he struck at it recurringly to show her error under various aspects he desired to shape her character to the feminine of his own and betrayed the surprise of a slight disappointment at her advocacy of her ideas she said immediately it is not too late willoughby and wounded him for he wanted her simply to be material in his hands for him to mould her he had no other thought he lectured her on the theme of the infinity of love how was it not too late they were plighted they were one eternally they could not be parted she listened gravely conceiving the infinity 
as a narrow dwelling where a voice droned and ceased not. However, she listened. She became an attentive listener. End of chapter 5 Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey